Good morning, everyone, and welcome to our Course in Miracles daily reading conference call. We read from the text of A Course in Miracles original edition, published by our dear friends at the Course in Miracles Society. You can access an online copy of the original edition by going to jcim.net, where if you mouse over the link at top for online edition, you'll see the link to read A Course in Miracles OE. Also at that website, there's a tab entitled Lesson Sign-Up, where you can sign up for an excellent daily email that includes both the text reading for the day as well as the lesson. Today we're continuing our reading of Chapter 8, The Journey Back, with Section 9, Healing as Corrective Perception. We're also mindful of our lesson today, Salvation Comes from My One Self. And by way of opening this morning, uh, I had so many places um, to choose from, but this is where I landed. It's from a book of poetry called Susceptible to Light by Shailen Harkin. And the poem is called I'm Yours. I'm Yours. God, this is another tattered heart prayer. And my work is to remember that you accept this kind of currency. I had closed myself off to you for so long, waiting to arrive in fashionable robes, impress you a bit, and wait to get rich enough to display handfuls of gold to you. Ah, I thought you'd like it better that way. Can we sit on the floor and laugh together about this nap? Of course, you never wanted any of that but just for me to grow into the honesty of my heart like sweetness into a plum and bring myself to you tangled but entire and say, God in robes or rags, I'm yours. Salvation comes from my one self. Amen. Oh, thank you. Thanks for that. That was great. Thank you. Thank you, Lori. So so fantastic. I love that poem. Grow into grow into my heart like sweetness in a plum. Uh, okay, my friends. Here's our reading list. We have Lemoyne, Fran, Harrison, Robin, Marie, and Karen. We're joined in listening this morning by Ida, and I wonder who else has come along that would like to say good morning or be on the reading list. Morning, uh, good Sandra. Morning. Oh. Good morning, Sandra. Mm-hmm. Good morning, Lana. Yeah, and, I can, can hear read. the other voice. Thank you. Uh, and I can read too. Thanks, Sandra. And anyone else? Good morning. This is Donna, and I can read. Marvelous. All righty. How excellent. So we pick up today where we left off yesterday. Today, in Chapter 8, The Journey Back, with Section 9, Healing as Corrected Perception. Paragraph 80. We once said that the Holy Spirit is the answer. He is the answer to everything because he knows what the answer to everything is. The ego does not know what a real question is, although it asks an endless number. You, yet you, can learn 
this as you learn to question the value of the ego and thus establish your ability to evaluate its questions. When the ego tempts you to sickness, do not ask the Holy Spirit to heal the body, for this would merely be to accept the ego's belief that the body is the proper aim for healing. Ask rather that the Holy Spirit teach you the right perception of the body, for perception alone can be distorted. Only perception can be sick, because only perception can be wrong. Hello, Lemoyne. Oh, well, my friend, this thing. Um, okay. We once said that the Holy Spirit is the answer. Well, let me start at the top. Chapter 8, The Journey Back. Section 9, Healing as Corrected Perception. We once said that the Holy Spirit is the answer. He is the answer to everything because he knows what the answer to everything is. The ego does not know what a real question is, although it asks an endless number. Yet you can learn this as you learn to question the value of the ego and thus establish your ability to evaluate its questions. When the ego tempts you to sickness, do not ask the Holy Spirit to heal the body, for this would merely be to accept the ego's belief that the body is the proper aim for healing. Ask rather that the Holy Spirit teach you the right perception of the body, for perception alone can be distorted. Only perception can be sick, because only perception can be wrong. Wrong perception is distorted willing, which wants things to be as they are not. The reality of everything is totally harmless because total harmlessness is the condition of its reality. It is also the condition of your awareness of its reality. You do not have to seek reality. It will seek you and find you when you meet its conditions. Its conditions are part of what it is. And this part only is up to you. The rest is of itself. You need do so little because it is so powerful that your little part will bring the whole to you. Accept then your little part and let the whole be yours. Thank you, Lemoyne. And Fran. 81. Wrong perception is distorted willing, which wants things to be as they are not. The reality of everything is totally harmless because total harmlessness is the condition of its reality. It is also the condition of your awareness of its reality. You do not have to seek reality. It will seek you and find you when you meet its conditions. Its conditions are part of what it is. 
And this part only is up to you. The rest is of itself. You need do so little because it is so powerful that your little part will bring the whole to you. Accept then your little part and let the whole be yours. 82. Wholeness heals because it is of the mind. All forms of sickness, even unto death, are physical expressions of the fear of awakening. They are attempts to reinforce unconsciousness out of fear of consciousness. This is a pathetic way of trying not to know by rendering the faculties for knowing ineffectual. Quote, rest in peace, unquote, is a blessing for the living, not the dead. Because rest comes from waking, not from sleeping. Sleep is withdrawing. Waking is joining. Dreams are illusions of joining, taking on the ego's distortions about what joining means if you are sleeping under its guidance. Yet the Holy Spirit, too, has use for sleep and can use dreams on behalf of waking if you will let him. Thank you, Fran. And Harrison. 82. Holiness heals because it is of the mind. All forms of sickness, even unto death, are physical expressions of the fear of awakening. Hmm. I'd like to read that again. All forms of sickness, even unto death, are physical expressions of the fear of awakening. They are attempts to reinforce unconsciousness out of fear of consciousness. This is a pathetic way of trying not to know by rendering the faculties for knowing ineffectual. Quote, rest in peace, unquote, is a blessing for the living, not the dead, because rest comes from waking, not from sleeping. Sleep is withdrawing. Waking is joining. Dreams are illusions of joining. Taking on the ego's distortions about what joining means. If you are sleeping under its guidance, yet the Holy Spirit too as used for sleep and can use dreams on behalf of waking if you will let him. 83. How you wake is the sign is the sign of how you have used sleep. To whom did you give it? Under which teacher did you place it 
Whenever you wake dispiritly, it was not of the Holy Spirit. Only when you awaken joyously have you utilized sleep according to the Holy Spirit's purpose. You can indeed be, quote, drugged by sleep, unquote. But this is always because you have misused it on behalf of sickness. Sleep is no more a form of death than death is a form of unconsciousness. Unconsciousness is impossible. You can rest in peace only because you are awake. Thank you, Harrison. And Robin Marie. Eighty-three. <clears throat> how you wake is a sign of how you have used sleep. To whom did you give it? Under which teacher did you place it? Whenever you wake dispiritedly, it was not of the Holy Spirit. Only when you awaken joyously have you utilized sleep according to the Holy Spirit's purpose. You can indeed be, quote, drugged by sleep, unquote, but this is always because you have misused it on behalf of sickness. Sleep is no, form, is no more a form of death than death is a form of unconsciousness. Unconsciousness is impossible. You can rest in peace only because you are awake. 84. Healing is released from the fear of waking and the substitution of the will to wake. The will to wake is the will to love, since all healing involves replacing fear with love. The Holy Spirit cannot distinguish among degrees of error, for he taught that one form of sickness is, more, is no... <laughs> Let's go back. The Holy Spirit cannot distinguish among degrees of error, for he taught that one form of sickness is more serious than another. He would be teaching that one error can be more real than another. Oh, for if he taught that one form of sickness is more serious than another, he would be teaching that one error can be more real than another. His function is to distinguish only between the false and the true, replacing the false with the true. Thank you, Robin Marie. And Karen. 84. Healing is release from the fear of waking and the substitution of the will to wake. The will to wake is the will to love, since all healing involves replacing fear with love. 
The Holy Spirit cannot distinguish among degrees of error. For if he taught that one form of sickness is more serious than another, he would be teaching that one error can be more real than another. His function is to distinguish only between the false and the true, replacing the false with the true. 85. The ego, which always weakens the will, wants to separate the body from the mind. This is an attempt to destroy it. Yet the ego actually believes that it is protecting it. This is because the ego believes that mind is dangerous and that to make mindless is to heal. But to make mindless is impossible since it would mean to make nothing out of what God created. The ego despises weakness even though it makes every effort to induce it. The ego wants only what it hates. To the ego, this is perfectly sensible. Believing in the power of attack, the ego wants attack. Thank you, Karen. And Sandra? The ego, which always weakens the will, wants to separate the body from the mind. This is an attempt to destroy it. Yet the ego actually believes that it is protecting it. This is because the ego believes that mind is dangerous and that, it, and that to make mindless is to heal. But to make mindless is impossible since it would mean to make nothing out of what God created. The ego despises weakness, even though it makes every effort to induce it. The ego wants what it hates. To the ego, this is perfectly sensible. Believing in the power of attack, the ego wants attack. 86. You have surely begun to realize that this is a very particular course, which means exactly what it says. So does the Bible, if it is properly understood. There has been a marked tendency on the part of many of the Bible's followers and also its translators to be entirely literal about fear and its effects, but not about love and its results. Thus, hellfire, in quotes, means burning, in quotes. But raising the dead becomes allegorical. Actually, it is particularly the references to the outcomes of love, which should be taken literally because the Bible is about love, being about God. Thank you, Sandra and Lana. 
you have surely, surely begun to realize that this is a very practical course, which means exactly what it says. So does the Bible, if it is properly understood. There has been a marked tendency on the part of many of the Bible's followers and also its translators to be entirely literal about fear and its effects, but not about love and its results. Thus, hellfire means burning, but raising the dead becomes allegorical. allegorical. Actually, it is particularly the references to the outcomes of love which should be taken literally, because the Bible is about love, being about God. 87, the Bible enjoins you to be perfect, to heal all error, to take no thought of the body as separate, and to accomplish all things in my name. This is not my name alone, for ours is a shared identification. The name of God's Son is one and you are enjoined to to do the works of love because we share this oneness. Our minds are whole because they are one. If you are sick, you are withdrawing from me, yet you cannot withdraw from me alone. You can only withdraw from yourself and me. Thank you, Lana. And Donna. 87. The Bible enjoins you to be perfect, to heal all errors, to take no thought of the body as separate, and to accomplish all things in my name. This is not my name alone, for ours is a shared identification. The name of God's Son is one, and you are enjoined to do the work of love because we share this oneness. Our minds are whole because we are one. If you are sick, you are withdrawing from me, yet you cannot withdraw from me alone. You can only withdraw from yourself and me. 88. I would not ask you to do the things you cannot do, and it is impossible that I could do things you cannot do. Given this, and given this quite literally, there can be nothing which prevents you from doing exactly what I ask, and everything which argues for your doing it. I give you no limits because God lays none upon you. When you limit yourself, we are not of one mind, and that is sickness. Yet, sickness is not of the body, but of the mind. All forms of dysfunction are merely the signs that the mind has split and does not accept a unified purpose. Thank you, Donna. 
and is there a new reader for 88 and 89? Yes, this is Jessica. I would love to read. Thank you, Jessica. 88. I would not ask you to do the things you cannot do, and it is impossible that I could do things you cannot do. Given this, and given this quite literally, there can be nothing which prevents you from doing exactly what I ask and everything which argues for your doing it. I give you no limits because God lays none upon you. When you limit yourself, you are not of one mind, and that is sickness. Yet sickness is not of the body, but of the mind. All forms of dysfunction are merely signs that the mind has split and does not accept a unified purpose. 89. The unification of purpose, then, is the Holy Spirit's only way of healing. This is because it is the only level at which healing means anything. The reestablishment of meaning in a chaotic thought system is the only way to heal it. We have said that your task is only to meet the conditions for meaning, since meaning itself is of God. Yet your return to meaning is essential to his, because your meaning is part of his. Your healing, then, is part of his health, since it is part of his wholeness. He cannot lose this, but you cannot know it. Yet it is still his will for you, and his will must stand forever and in all things. Amen. Thank Oh, yeah. Thank you, Jessica. And Judy, did I, did I see your hand up to read 89? Okay. Do we have a new reader for paragraph 89? Oh, Lori, I'm here. I was on mute. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, be still. The unification of purpose, then, is the Holy Spirit's only way of healing. This is because it is the only level at which healing means anything. The reestablishing of meaning in a chaotic thought system is the only way to heal it. We have said that your task is only to meet the conditions for meaning, since meaning itself is of God. Yet your return to meaning is essential to His because your meaning is a part of His. Your healing, then, is part of His health. Since it is part of His wholeness, He cannot lose this, but you cannot know it. It is still his will for you, and his will 
must stand forever and in all things. Amen. I am complete. <laughs> thank you, Lori. Thank you, Judy. And thank you, everyone who read this morning and everyone who listened. And uh, what a joyous, what a joyous section to read today. Um, to summarize, which is not really to summarize, but to touch a few very meaningful phrases or sentences in this section. I'd like to go back to paragraph 80, where he said, we once said that the Holy Spirit is the answer. He is the answer to everything, because he knows what the answer is. Ask that the Holy Spirit teach you the right perception of the body, for perception alone can be distorted. Only perception can be sick, because only perception can be wrong. In 81, the reality of everything is totally harmless, because total harmlessness is the condition of its reality. You do not have to seek reality. It will seek you and find you when you meet its conditions. Its conditions are part of what it is, and this part only is up to you. You need to do so little because it is so powerful that your little part will bring the whole to you. Accept then your little part and let the whole be yours. In 82, wholeness heals because it is of the mind. Sleep is withdrawing. Waking is joining. In 83, unconsciousness is impossible. You can rest in peace only because you are awake. In 84, healing then is the release from fear of waking and the substitution of the will to wake. The will to wake is the will to love since all healing involves replacing fear with love. The Holy Spirit's function is to distinguish only between the false and the true, replacing the false with the true. In 85, the ego believes that mind is dangerous. And in 84 or 86, this is a very practical course, which means exactly what it says. So does the Bible, if it is properly understood. It is particularly the references to the outcomes of love, which should be taken literally because the Bible is about love, being about God. In 87, ours is a shared identification. The name of God's Son is one, and you are enjoined to do the works of love because we share this oneness. Our minds are whole because they are one. If you are sick, you are withdrawing from me, yet you cannot withdraw from me alone. You can only withdraw from yourself and me. In 88, I give you no limits because God lays none upon you. When you limit yourself, we are not of one mind, and that is sickness. Yet sickness is not of the body, but of the mind. All forms of dysfunction are merely signs that the mind has split 
and does not accept a unified purpose. Finally, in 89, the unification of purpose. The unification of purpose, then, is the Holy Spirit's only way of healing. This is because it is the only level at which healing means anything. The reestablishment of meaning in a chaotic thought system is the only way to heal it. We have said that your task is only to meet the conditions for meaning, since meaning itself is of God. Yet your return to meaning is essential to His, because your meaning is part of His. Your healing, then, is part of His health, since it is part of His wholeness. He cannot lose this, but you cannot know it. Yet it is still his will for you, and his will must stand forever and in all things. Amen. Thank you, everyone, who read this morning. And we have a few minutes before the top of the hour uh, where we'll pause and uh, take a good, long reflection on our lesson today. So anything has, anyone has any feelings they'd like to share about this reading, we'd sure love to hear them. Thank you. Thank you, Lori. Thank you. Thank you, Lori. Yeah. Great summary. Thank you, Lori. Thank Thank you, Lori. Hi, this is Lana. There were a couple things that really popped out at me um, from this reading. Um, They kind of brought them together. Uh, I, I love the way it stresses the unity and uh, how the Bible <laughs> uh, scares you to death, you know, with the hellfire and all. But the truth of it is the love it contains. And and um, I always think about healing as the return to love. It's like I was separate. I thought love was not part of me. I thought I was alone. And by bringing my mind back to love, which is the same as, bringing it back to God, you know, that that unity and, you know, and that harmony is there. You can feel it. And every time I, I come across that injunction, be perfect, I have to chuckle a little bit because for me it's not saying that I have to strive and become perfect. It, it's telling me that I already am perfect. I just have to be it. <clears throat> There's really nothing to do. It's just being who I truly am as a creation of God. And um, that is my perfection. And that is being perfect. So anyhow, those couple things just kind of popped out at me today. So I wanted to share them. Thank you for listening. Oh, thank you for sharing. Oh, thank you, Lana. Lana. Oh, thank you. Yeah, the same thing for me. I, I really loved in 86... It is particularly the reference to the outcomes of love, which should be taken literally because the Bible is about love, being about God. I I love the fact that we can read the word and see God's love for us and feel it. And it's it's really nice to, uh, I think I was in, I think it was in 1 Corinthians. I haven't read the Bible for a while because... I kind of dropped out of my church. I was, like, not um, able to 
find what I needed there. And uh, But I remember the love chapter and how wonderful that was. And that was the first glimpse that I had when I was uh, probably about 12 years old of the Bible. And I thought, wow, now that is the answer. Thank you. Thank you, Robin Marie. Oh, I really thank appreciate you. that sweet thank reminder. Thank you. Thank you, Robin Marie. You're a dropout. You're a dropout. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I dropped out to drop in. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is Ida, and hi, everybody. Um, I was impressed by the fact of the the paragraph early on in the reading that talked about what the ego wants, how the ego only wants what it hates because the ego want, believes in attack, and so it, it always courts attack, if you use my own words. It always invites attack. And I'm like, oh, my God. I mean, I kind of knew this before. But somehow those words impacted me in a way they never had before. Um, that like when I'm in my ego, I want what I hate. When I'm in my ego, I want attack. I want, I want to fight with life, you know. And it's just amazing that that, uh, that is the case. But that is the case. <laughs> I don't know what else to say. Thank you. I'm complete. <laughs> Thank you, Ida. Thank you, Ida, for that realization. I had to drop down my... I I never wanted to have a fight. I always walked away from it. And I think, you know, staying neutral has been my safe place. Uh, And before, I was putting myself out um, and not really receiving anything back. From people, and so I decided that you know, if you are going to be my friend, I need to get a little something back from you. I don't mind it if you don't want to be my friend. Um, I can stay neutral, but I needed more uh, from the people that I was around. I had not um, been able to be honest with them, so I decided. Hmm, Maybe that's not where I should be. It's it's not a question of attacking them. They're fine. It's just that I wasn't fine in that situation. Thank you. <laughs> I'm complete. <laughs> this is Donna. Thank you. Uh, and Thank you. Go ahead, Donna. Oh, thank you. I have a new phone. I can't tell if I'm on mute or not. Um, And paragraph, um, let me see. (laughs) Anyway, I think it's 87 where Jesus reminds us that we're one with him, uh, that he's not really special, uh, that if we knew who we are, we would be equals. And I was at the old line, went into the old line library. I never know what I'm going to say uh, yesterday. And, um, I walked past one of the uh, girls works there, and I said, hi, how are you doing? 
And she said, oh, I'm good. And I, came, and I said, oh, it's always good to know. It's always, I'm so glad when I, one of my siblings is doing well. And I thought, wow, that's right. We're, we're not even brothers or sisters. That siblings just really brought me so much closer. So this uh, paragraph um, confirmed that for me. I'm complete. Thank you. Thank you, Donna. I love that word, too. Thank you, Donna. Thank you, Donna. And that gave us a perfect segue to the top of the hour this morning where we can pause and let Fran lead us in our reflection on today's lesson. And Fran, if you'd like to take the full minutes, full five minutes for reflection, I think that would be just wonderful. So I'll turn it over to you. Oh, yeah, I think so too. Perfect. Um, okay. Uh, hi, everybody. We are still in the first part of the workbook, and today we are on Lesson 96. Salvation comes from my one self. So I shall read from some of the lesson. Although you are one self, you experience yourself as two as both good and evil, loving and hating, mind and body. This sense of being split into opposites induces feelings of acute and constant conflict and leads to frantic attempts to reconcile. You have sought many such solutions, and none of them has worked. The fact that truth and illusion cannot be reconciled, no matter how you try, which means you use, and where you see the problem, must be accepted if you would be saved. Two selves in conflict could not be resolved, and good and evil have no meeting place. The self you made can never be your true self. A mind and body cannot both exist. Make no attempt to reconcile the two. If you are spirit, then the body would be meaningless to your reality. The mind which serves the spirit is at peace and filled with joy. Yet mind can also see itself divorced from spirit and perceive itself within a body it confuses with itself. Waste no more time on this. The Holy Spirit holds salvation in your mind and offers it the way to peace. Salvation is a thought you share with God. We will attempt today to find this thought. Our hourly five-minute practicing will be a search for him within your mind. Wait patiently. Let him speak to you about yourself and what your mind can do, restore to it, and free to serve its will. Begin by saying this. Salvation comes from my one self. Its thoughts are mine to use. Then seek its thoughts and claim them as your own. Here are your thoughts, the only ones you have. Salvation is among them. Find it there. If you succeed, the thoughts that come to you will tell you you are saved. Infusion done, 
you are restored, for you have found yourself. Yourself knows that you cannot fail today. Perhaps your mind remains uncertain yet a little while. Be not dismayed by this. The joy your true self experiences, it will save for you. Each time today you tell your frantic mind salvation comes from your one true self, you lay another treasure in your growing store. And we'll do the top of the hour five-minute practice. Lesson 96, salvation comes from my one self.
You have sought many solutions and none of them has worked. The opposite you see in you will never be compatible, but one exists. Lesson 96, salvation comes from my one self. Amen. 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 Thank you, Fran. Oh, thank you, Fran. That was beautiful. Thank you, guys. Good morning. It's Harrison. In paragraph 88, Jesus says, I would not ask you to do the things you cannot do. And it is impossible that I could do things you cannot do. Given this and given this quite literally emphasized, there can be nothing which prevents you from doing exactly what I ask. And everything which argues for your doing it. I give you no limits because God lays none upon you. When you limit yourself, you are not of one mind. That is sickness. Yet sickness is not of the body, but of the mind. All forms of dysfunction are merely signs that the mind has fit and does not accept the unified purpose. All in your mind, Harrison. Not only is the problem in your mind, the solution is in your mind as well. In the earlier call, what the call, I shared about that second sentence in paragraph eight, I think, of the lesson. Salvation comes from my one self, is the first sentence. The second sentence is the one that kind of beguiled me for a while. It's thoughts are mine to use. And what exactly is he saying there? It refers to my one self, I believe. So the thoughts that belong to my one self are mine to use.
And those thoughts are reflected in what we read today and what we read every day. The thoughts that come from my one self. And he tells me to seek the thoughts that come from my one self and claim them as my own. These are my own real thoughts that I have denied and let my mind go wandering in worlds of dreams to find illusions in their Here are my thoughts, my real thoughts, the only ones I have. Salvation is among my real thoughts. Find it there. If I succeed, the thoughts that come to me will tell me I'm saved and that my mind has found the function that it sought to lose. So my spiritual journey is about finding the thoughts I think with God. The thoughts that come from my one self, my true self, myself as God created me, those thoughts are always clothed in love. Those thoughts reflect peace happiness, and joy. And, and as I look on others, and as I look on the world, if I look from those thoughts, if I look at my brother, from the thoughts that I share with God, the thoughts that come from my one self, if those are the thoughts I'm holding as I look on others and as I look on the world, Those are the thoughts that will signal salvation for me. They're only loving thoughts. They're only peaceful thoughts. They're only happy thoughts. They're the thoughts that say, the world you see has nothing for you. It offers nothing to you. 
each time today you tell your frantic mind, salvation comes from your one self. You lay another treasure in your growing store. Salvation comes from who I really am. Thank you. I'm complete. That was beautiful, Harrison. And so complete. Thank you. Thank you, Harrison. Thank you so much. Yeah. Beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. This is Donna, and it's interesting. Um, I woke up this morning, and I thought, my God, I'm morphing so fast <laughs> that I can't keep up with who I am or anything else. And um, so it kind of, I had a very slight drawing to, to uh, come to the class today. And then I turned the television on, and I saw the weather, and then I saw the um, the world of seems to be in action with bombs going from Lebanon to Israel. And um, then I thought, oh, this is Revelations. Let me get my Bible. And as I reached for my Bible, I my hand passed over uh, uh Course in Miracles, a Circle of Atonement edition, and I opened it. And it, in this book, it's it's chapter thirteen, but um, in uh, our Sims book, it's page two forty nine, and it's um, it's where um, Jesus describes the world. Uh, the world is not like this. And then what fits in with that is today's lesson. What caught me in a previous study, the mind and body, they both cannot exist. And I thought, oh, my goodness. So I just um, am so blown away. I consider I, I, I am uh, um, always on the go. I was just complaining to Jesus. I have 19 or 20 appointments a month and and i don't even have a life so i'm saying i'm like overwhelmed by all this uh going around but i'm understanding that uh, obviously it's his call on my life is is uh to to encounter and have divine appointments so even coming today because i have not been uh led actually and and also able to attend um regularly and um but it's just so mind-blowing how much time we spend and the world is engaged in something that the course in um in the near future here it's i guess it's still chapter 13 i'm not sure uh that he's going to clarify not only are we siblings meeting one with him uh but 
heaven is going to be nothing like what we envisioned it. So I'm extraordinarily blessed by showing up today. I'm complete. Oh, Donna, I'm extraordinarily blessed by your touching attainment of the real world. Uh, thank you for that. Thank you very much. I'm so glad you're here. Oh, I am too. Thank, thank you, Donna. Donna. Me too. Thank you, Donna. Mm-hmm. Mm. Hi. Boy, this is um, really a, a holy, holy section of the text for me. It's because it speaks of the wholeness of what we are in truth. The wholeness of God is one. The wholeness and completion of his creation is the one Son of God. The holiness that's inherent in everything being in relationship with itself as it is in its own oneness. It's just a, a resting in peace where there is no conflict in oneness. There is no attack in oneness. There's no war in oneness, in the spiritual, in the spirit expressing itself as the mind of God, in its perfection, in its oneness, God's reality being heaven, everything being in accord, in attunement with each, with itself as one, its oneness, and how that's a reality that transcends transcends uh, the mind as, as we think of it being personal thoughts, then reconciling those, those conflicts and, and um, differences to an equanimity, a sense of equanimity that, er, that God is in everything, equally, equally deserving love and honor and respect, and the gift of freedom for God to be God as he is in, 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 in the perception of form. That it's not for me to control or want to change or think I need to. You know, that relinquishment of judgment is the biggest, absolute biggest burden that I ever lay down in my life. God's in charge. It's God's reality. It's, it's a wondrous thing. And if I can step back from my own personal, limited, small-minded, opinionated, judgmental view of it, then I might get a glimpse of the totality of what the Christ consciousness, what Christ is telling me is our one consciousness, can be aware of, that I can be aware of the totality of that reality. And, it, and then things start to really become become huge and full of magnitude and grace. And thank you, Harrison, for that particularly poignant pointing out of what came through for, from the lesson today for you. Because what is it that, and how is it that real thoughts come to the awareness, to my Judy's awareness, the awareness of God's reality? God's reality is 
willingly loving and giving everything to all. He doesn't take or ask for anything in return. It's a complete giving, giving. And that um, there's a line, the last line in the lesson today, that says of this, think then how much is given unto you to give this day that it be given you. That giving and receiving is one in truth. It's like everything is given, everything phenomenally that I can see, look, taste, touch, sense, experience is one given, given, God given to me as himself. And it's, <laughs> then all of a sudden it's like, what do I need to ask for? What do I think I even need? And how can I pray for something in particular? It's a deplorable idea to me that God gives me everything by giving me himself. And he does this without being special to anything or anyone in particular. God doesn't think he's special, and he asks that I just give that way to, to give as he gives, to complete his completion, that I complete God and God completes me. So this is like, and, you know, I just... I keep coming because you guys keep together. I think we help each other come to this realization. To get out of the little mini-me, let it go, let it go. Jessica, <laughs> I don't know if you're on the call, but I thank for what you said. Thank you for what you said in Reverend Pam's call this morning. And I just love hearing you guys share. Uh, I think I've spoken long enough. Let us be still and know I am. And we are that. I am. I am that. Amen. I'm complete. Amen. <laughs> Thank you, Judy. Amen. Thank you, Judy. Thank you, Judy. Amen. Yes. Thank you all. Thank you. I have a little something. Oh, go ahead. Um, uh, Paragraph 85 I thought was interesting. The ego which always weakens the will wants to separate the body from the mind. Uh, That's interesting because this, so what I'm deducing from that is that the body and the mind are one. And both of them have to be under the guidance of the truth, of the Holy Spirit. So if I'm sick, it's my mind that's sickening my body because they're one. And this is, this is mind training. This is an attempt to destroy it, yet the ego actually believes that it is protecting it. The ego thinks that you know, if I separate the body from the mind and try to fix the body, that's the ego. The ego wants to fix the body. The, the ego does not believe that uh, when body and mind, when mind and body are under the direction of the truth of God, that there is no sickness. The body is healed. 
But the ego wants to separate and fix. It always wants to fix. Um, and so, so the ego thinks there's something wrong. Even in sickness, it, there's really nothing wrong when I'm sick. It's the body, which is one with the mind, is trying to communicate to the mind that there's something that needs to change. There's nothing wrong here. It's just guiding me. It's like the body is like my emotions. They're, it's a guide. It's going to tell me, you know, that there's something imbalanced here. Not, not necessarily wrong. There's just an imbalance, which is leading to sickness. So uh, if my perception is correct, I don't see something wrong. I say, thank you, body, for showing me that there's an imbalance. And now the mind and the truth, the mind under the supervision of the truth, will now discern what, it, what the body will need in order it, for it to find balance. But this whole idea of fixing, which really, I'm, fixing comes from me judging something as being amiss. Because I think I need to fix something. Like I think I'm capable. I can't fix anything. I can only bring balance. And I get addicted to the struggle of fixing, which is, which is, which I call codependency. Because I think I'm above the laws of God. Whatever I'm trying to fix does not appreciate my efforts. In fact, what I'm noticing is that whatever I'm trying to fix actually demonizes me. And so my little part is to accept God's will that I am one self. The body and the mind are one. Under the laws of God, I am one self. I'm not under the laws of the ego I'm under the laws of God which says that I am one self united with my creator and united with all of creation there's nothing wrong here there's an imbalance that's all and it's up to me to find the balance by by my decisions by by my choices I'm complete Thank you, wow. Sandra. Thank you, Sandra. Thank you. And Sandra, how I, I experienced, just real quickly, I experienced that is um, disharmony. You know, it's nothing wrong, but they're just not the mind and the body. They're just not doing the dance steps right <laughs> together, you yeah. know? They're not joined yeah. together. There's a little disharmony there. Stepping on some toes, incomplete. Yes, and I love fixing Thank the you, world. Lana. Fixing the world means I see it as broken. Hey, I want to read you something that we read this morning on my earlier call. It says, the ego uses projection only to distort your perception of both yourself and your brothers. It begins by excluding something you think exists in you which you do not want 
and leads directly to your excluding yourself from your brother. Now here's the key, paragraph six. But we know there's another use of projection, which we all will call extension. Every ability of the ego has a better counterpart because its abilities are directed by the mind, which has a better voice with a capital V. And here it is now. The Holy Spirit, as well as the ego, utilizes this ability. But since their goals are opposed, so is the result. Now, here's the key. This sentence. The Holy Spirit begins by perceiving you as perfect. Again, the Holy Spirit begins by perceiving you as perfect. Knowing this perfection is shared, he recognizes it in others, thus strengthening it in both. Instead of anger, this arouses love for both because it establishes inclusion. Perceiving equality, he perceives equal needs. This invites atonement automatically because atonement is the one need which is universal. Again, the Holy Spirit begins by perceiving you as perfect Knowing this perfection is shared, he recognizes it in others, thus strengthening it in both. Thank you for listening, and I'm complete. It was excellent. Oh, thank you for that quote, Steve. Very, very perfect, thank you. Steve. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you, Steve. That's the universal will of God. Everyone, it's the same. Was the same? It's the restoration of the kingdom to the kingdom <laughs> by appealing to the kingdom <laughs> for the kingdom. <laughs> that was great. Thank you, Steve. This is terrific. Uh, Sandra's share. Uh, thank you, Sandra, for uh, really opening my mind to this uh, how the body, how to look at the body. Uh-huh. And instead of, of ridiculing or really uh, demonizing the body. Uh, your share uh, suggested to me to look at the body differently. Uh, and it's, uh, my mind went back to paragraph 85. The ego which always weakens the will, wants to separate the body from the mind. This and it is an attempt to destroy it, the body, 
Yet the ego actually believes that it is protecting it. The body is not something to be demonized uh, or be afraid of or even concerned about. The body is simply a thought in my mind. The body is simply a thought in my mind. Just as everything that the body sees and everything the body experiences. And I, as long as I see myself in a body, I am uh, asleep in a sense. And he says in 84, healing is released from fear of waking and the substitution of the will to awake. The will to wake is the will to love. Since all healing involves replacing fear with love. So what is my function here? Love. Love everything. Love everybody. Because what that does is it replaces uh, fear. It replaces fear. And fear is what has produced all the stuff <laughs> that uh, is produced the world in effect and the solution to all problems is to replace fear with love. Healing is released from fear of waking and the substitution of, to, of the will to wake, he says in 84. The will to wake is the will to love. Since all healing involves replacing fear with love. There's a whole lot behind that. And I'm sure as we go forward in our study, it will be revealed to us. I'm complete. I share that certainty, Harrison. 
Thank you very much. Thank, Thank you. Karen, I thank everyone for all the shares. Um, what jumped out at me when I was reading this this morning all forms of sickness, even unto death, are physical expressions of the fear of awakening. They are attempts to reinforce unconsciousness out of fear of consciousness. It's a pathetic way of trying not to know by rendering the faculties for knowing ineffectual. Of course, rest comes from waking. Sleep is withdrawing. Waking is joining. Rest comes from waking. I, um, I have always thought of sleep as like one of my drugs of choice. I don't understand why, but I can sit in this call and feel so much light when everyone is talking and feel so much holiness on certain levels, vertical levels. But I also simultaneously feel the falsehood of like an emotional place where there's crying inside or even just darkness or hard-heartedness at the same time. And in my, past, in my past experience of living in an ashram, the energy is really high and the light is so powerful. But what it does is it just amplifies that pain inside. And the only place you can go with the ashram to, to check out, you know, no drugs, no alcohol, no, <laughs> there's no other way to check out. There's so many people, there's so much going on, the only place to go is inside to go to sleep. Because even on the inside, the pain inside is so loud. Um, it seems like, it seems like um, the Course is teaching us to rise into the place where none of that exists and none of that is, act- is happening. You know, in um, Buddhism, I did a retreat once with Tara Brock and Jack Cornfield, and Tara said the Buddhist, the Tibetan Buddhists believe that before you can have no ego, you have to have the healthy ego, and that you have to, you know, clear this emotional stuff before you can go into your higher self and stay there. I just keep coming back to this problem of feeling integrated with these heavy emotional places even though I'm feeling the light and I'm invoking the Holy Spirit and praying to join with Jesus and hold his hand and shine this away and all of it, I'm still feeling all this negative, painful stuff. And I, and I think the answer would be don't judge it. Just offer it to the light and be at peace because you know salvation comes from the one self. 
And if I'm simultaneously feeling the one self, then maybe it's doing what it's supposed to be doing, purifying the darkness, even though I'm feeling, I'm just feeling so much emotional pain. Like, the only other thing I can think of is trying to love that part that's feeling the pain. I just um, had a call at, of course, 10 o'clock, and the person on the other end of the phone was having all this ego drama and all of this pain. And when I hung up, I got, I just like, well, all of this pain that she was feeling is now inside of me. And I thought, how can I just offer love? How can I just offer love to her illusion of who she is? And I, I don't know, I guess I don't have the skills to do that yet. I'd love to be like Judy and Harrison and Lana and be like all established in it. But I I don't know. It's not my experience. But this paragraph that Jesus wrote, eighty two, wholeness heals because it is of the mind, all sickness, all forms of sickness are physical expressions of fear of awakening. Attempts to reinforce unconsciousness out of fear of consciousness. Fear of consciousness to me has been when the light gets brighter and you're feeling more pain. <laughs> yeah, the light of the Holy Spirit gets so much brighter, but then there's more and more and more pain. That's why I have to go to sleep to escape feeling all of that because it never seems to clear. It's just a state of feeling more pain. You know, the more aware you are of your body, the more you might feel your physical pain. It feels like that's the case with the emotional pain and being integrated instead of dissociated from the ego. It's confusing to me. Thank you for letting me share. I'm trying to get it, you guys. Please be patient with me. I'm sorry. I'm not getting what you're getting. Trying now. Oh, what you're getting is so helpful. Thank you. Yes, it is. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Hi, this is Yogi Chris. Just came on a few minutes ago. Wanted to say hello. Blessings. I'm complete. Thank you, Chris. Yeah, hello. Thank you. Good morning, Chris. This is Lemoyne, and uh, I I know that that thing, and this is one of those things. I think that what I perceive, Karen, is this is one of those issues that stated very, you know, maybe easier said than done until well understood about whether we bring truth to illusion or illusion to truth, right? And I think the lesson, um, you know, I, I don't, I don't know. I might, I think it speaks directly to this in paragraph six and seven, um, of the lesson, and uh, yeah, I, I 
Yeah, I can't do better than to read it. So, um, if you, you have had the experience of both, right? And so one is the experience of wholeness and oneness, and the other is the, you know, the separation, this seeming reality of pain, right? So in six it says, mind apart from spirit cannot think. It has denied its source of strength and sees itself as helpless, limited, and weak. Dissociated from its function now, it thinks it is alone and separate, attacked by armies massed against itself, and hiding in the body's frail support. Now must it reconcile, unlike with like, for this is what it thinks that it is for. You know, the way I perceived it as a child was that I had to learn how to be alone. And... <laughs> that's a real trap, right? You uh, can't really learn how to be alone from anyone else. And it makes separation a prison, right? So, But what the instruction here is very clear. Waste no more time on this. Who can resolve the senseless conflicts which a dream presents? What could the resolution mean in truth? What purpose could it serve? What is it for? Salvation cannot make illusions real and solve a problem that does not exist. Perhaps you hope it can. Yet would you have God's plan for the release of his dear son bring pain to him and fail to set him free? And so... You know, and it goes on to make the point that the salvation comes from within the oneself in wholeness, and this is the light. And I think you you hit the hit the uh, the distinction there that the point of loving the part that believes it's separate and alone is not to love the ego, but to, you know, pray for the healing of your own mind, which is fine. This is a perfect guide in how to let go of the illusions that we believe are real. Um, and, uh, and I think, you know, one thing, that uh, may be helpful is uh, recognizing whether this is, you know, what what is it based on? Is it based on the perception only of yourself or is it based on the perception of yourself in the world separate from others? And that that's the perception that needs to be healed. Anyway, hope that was helpful. I think it's right there in the lesson. And the point is to focus on the light and bringing the illusion to the light. All that will be left is that, you know, sense of love for the part that is suffering.
because it thinks it's alone. Anyway, I'm complete. Thank you, Lemoyne. That was very beautiful. Thank you, Lemoyne. I really felt your love in your voice as you were sharing. It was very beautiful. Thank you. Sure was, Lemoyne. Thank you. Thank you, Lemoyne. I think you I think this is Steve. I think everybody on this call feels the love of God to such a great extent that we want to just share it. And when we read the course, it's basically repetitive affirmations of the wonder and love and bliss of this moment that we all know about and feel strongly. How nice to be with a joyful-hearted crowd. Bye. Thank you, Steve. That is the power of the one mind, indeed. Right on, Steve. This is Donna. And time, Lemoyne was talking about time. And I was sitting here a moment ago and I was thinking, oh, I'm, I'm going to have a birthday soon. And I'm think, then, I, of course, I thought about my age and then I uh, looked at that in eternity. And um, the scripture came to me, one day is as a thousand years in God. So that carried me to uh, Jesus' words because when he says... Uh, we're speeding up time, we're collapsing time, uh, that, that this is, it's coming to an end soon, and you, you, you look around yourself and say, oh, yeah, really? And, um, but what I did was looked at time. I know I've sat on jobs, and one minute seemed like it was like 100 years. And I used to think to myself, I was a little humanly crazy at that time, which means I was pretty sane. Um, I, I, I thought, well, perhaps we don't know it, but we are because there is no time. So mathematically, first I looked at a day, one hour. So one hour is 41.6 of years if you go with God's day as a thousand years. One minute is 6.9 years long. I mean, if you really look at that rationally, you have to say to yourself, that's why Jesus can do it in the twinkling of an eye. I am complete. Thank you, Donna. Thank, Thank you, Donna. That's time and space stuff really can do a number on us. <laughs> I just listened to my old guru. He used to be called Guru Maharaji, but his name is Prem Rawat. Just this morning, a replay. And he, what, he, what he was saying is that it's not how long you live. It's, it's what you're doing when you're living. He said if you have a few years left, it's go for it. If you have a, just a, a year left, go for it. Just to know that which has always been, that will be, and that is. And that was his message. 
to be, you have a choice to pay attention to this world or to pay attention to that, he said, which existed before dirt, that, that is always, will be, and is. The important thing isn't how long. The important thing is right now, go for it. To know it and have no doubt. I'm complete. Love that, Steve. Thank you, Steve. Yeah, there is no time if we're in the moment. And if I'm in the moment under the supervision of the laws of God, I'm happy, joyous, and free. If I'm in the moment under the supervision of the ego, I'm going to suffer. <laughs> it's, just that, it's just that simple. And, then I, and in one moment, I can change my mind and, and align with the truth of God. <laughs> I'm complete. Thank you, Sandra. Thank you, Sandra. Thank you, Steve. I'm into that. Good morning, everyone. This is Lori. And I sure thank you all for for your shares this morning. I'm thinking of um, miracle principles when you have become willing to hide nothing. Um, and so I I so appreciate um, just naked revelation and the willingness to share it. In the miracle principles, I noticed something that is a real standout um, for me when he's talking about the atonement. He says, when you accept the atonement for yourself, you realize you have an innate ability to not tolerate lack of love we cannot tolerate a lack of love. We can't because love is our nature. You know, we get to review five. When you speak of this, will be revealed to us in time. In review lessons, um, in review five, every lesson is preceded with the true idea that God is but love and therefore so am I. And I was created to complete his extension in my own. God is but love and therefore so am I. Pain. Pain is the realization that I cannot tolerate a lack of love in myself or in others. I cannot tolerate that because of the nature of my creation as one with God held in God. God is but love, and therefore so am I. The acceptance of atonement for myself is the correction for the lack of love. 
all I need to do is is accept the fact that um, God knows my pain and knows that I was not created to tolerate it. All my cries are cries of weeping, he says. We weep because we did not understand the nature of ourselves, our brothers, our God. So when he says in in paragraph 89, I place no limits on you because God places none on you. And sickness is just the split I introduced into my own mind. I, I could not tolerate a lack of love, and so I placed it in my unconscious where I was unaware of it. The healing of my mind is the healing of the split where I divided my mind into a superconscious, which frightened me, and all my miracle impulses way down below where I can't reach them. But it's all um, it's all corrected when I accept atonement for myself. He says in Lesson 169, which is the place where I go when I'm in pain. I love that lesson. It says, by grace I live, by grace I am released. And in that lesson he says, oneness is simply the idea God is. And in his being, he encompasses all things. No mind holds anything but him. No mind holds anything but him. And when I recognize that, I recognize that fullness that's me and creation. I'm put right back in right relationship. I think of it I think of it as an intersection. Not the intersection of my mind with the world, but rather an intersection where the awareness of God passes through me vertically and is shared through me horizontally. And I'm right there at the middle of that little intersection where the idea that God is is simply one. The idea that God is. We can't talk about that. Um, When God reveals himself to me, it's so intensely personal. And so, um, like you say, here I am, I feel the fullness of all this. And and this can't be shared in words. It's impossible to share in words. But he says it can be shared with other minds by your attitudes toward other minds. Oh my God in heaven, I can't tolerate a lack of love. Love is the nature of the relationship I have with creation and with God. I was made that way right there at that intersection where God passes through me and out of me and from creation back to me and God is aware of that blessing because it passes through me to creation sorry about that ringing 
So I go to lesson 169, the idea that God is. And now we ask for grace. The final gift salvation can be bestowed. Experience that grace provides will end in time for grace foreshadows heaven yet does not replace the thought of time but for a little while the interval suffices it is here and now you know miracles are always here and now and when I experience that love um, I'm back in right relationship and the beauty of the universe is that the universe arranges for me constantly arranging for me those things that will bring love to my awareness all I need to do is be aware that all things are echoes of the voice of God it is here and now that miracles are laid to be returned by you from the holy instance you receive through grace in your experience to all who see the light that lingers on your face we can't tolerate a lack of love what is the face of Christ but him is who went a moment into timelessness and brought a clear reflection of the unity he felt for an instant and that instant is enough a twinkling of an eye like Donna said felt an instant back to bless the world how could you finally attain to it forever while well, a part of you remains outside unknowing unawakened and in need of you as witness to the truth and the reason we feel it when we come to these calls is because we're each a witness to that truth that truth within that truth that we're aware of wordlessly that truth that we are built as unable to tolerate of lack of love and when I feel like that I say Christ is in me where Christ is God must be and that's the grace of God for my acceptance we ask for grace so we are grateful to return back to right here where we are as you were glad to go an instant and accept the gifts that grace provided to you you carry them back to yourself you know self the nature of self is one we are one and we're aware of that unity when we join in the one mind here today I'd love to tell you how often I think of names of people and then they show up on this call God it's just such a blessing to know we have that power within us not of us but within us so we ask for grace and for the experience that comes from grace we welcome the release it offers everyone we do not ask for the unaskable we do not look beyond what grace can give for this we give in grace that has been given us our learning goal today does not exceed this prayer yet in the world what could be more than what we ask this day of him who gives the grace we ask as it was given him by grace I live by grace I am released by grace I give by grace I will release this is the nature of how God manifests himself in the world and when I allow it it expresses itself as miracles 
the miracles that we experience here in the unity of the one mind. The doors we come from make no difference. The past is not here right now. And every release that I experience on this call, I carry back to my own mind. And miracles called forgiveness. So thank you all. Um, the way we give and receive together is perfectly ordained by the universe for our universal blessing. Um, I'll end this recording, but uh, let's stay together for a while, shall we?